Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BindingSteelCurtain.com. It is Wednesday. Happy Hump Day, everyone. I hope you're having a great week so far. You know what Wednesday means in the second half of this podcast. I will be diving headfirst into the mailbag. Got some really creative questions, and so I'm excited for that. Uh, and, and honestly, there's there's not news. I mean, there's really not a lot of news to discuss. I mean, the dog days of summer are here. We talked about that on my Monday show. If you missed that one, go back and check it out. Still relevant. Still very important, in my opinion. All the players that I said to keep an eye on this offseason for multiple reasons. But nothing screams dog days of summer, am I right? Then the biggest Steelers story so far this week being that three members of the current Steelers team go to a park in Pittsburgh to play pickleball. They're playing singles one-on-one for those that don't know and a woman who has no clue who these people are shows up and says I'll play with y'all if you want to play doubles so she joins in and her and the guy as she put it in the green shirt beat the other two guys so she sends a photo to her son and her son is saying oh my gosh that's TJ Watt Alex Highsmith and Minka Fitzpatrick that you just played pickleball with she had no clue who these guys were she the green shirt was Minka Fitzpatrick she joined and played with Minka and beat TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith and this tweet that went out by her son went viral it was hysterical jj watt got a hold of it and said tj watt you have some explaining to do and he said meg the woman's name was sending straight was serving straight heat or fire something like that it was really really funny it was a great story of course the pittsburgh media just like jumped all over and they're interviewing meg Uh, I don't know about all that. Like That's when I said on Twitter, like nothing screams the dog days of summer than when that is the biggest Steelers story. But I said this on Monday, and I've said it in other podcasts. If that's the main news, I will take it. If that means that the Steelers are not getting in trouble, there's no one that's threatening a holdout or anything like that, I will take it. So... That's the news, if you want to talk about that. But there was some actual really news, not just uh, a couple Steelers playing pickleball in Pittsburgh. Um, I had mentioned this last week. You know, the Steelers' mandatory minicamp was last week. Three days, got all done, wrapped up. But I noticed how the Steelers, they cut a week off of their OTAs. They only had six organized team activities, and then they threw in the minicamp, the three days of minicamp, where those four workouts were supposed to be based on the fact that the NFL allows every single team 10 workouts and then three days of minicamp. So a total up, let's do the math. I I am not a math guy, ask Dave Schofield, but I can do that math. That's 13 workouts. Well, the Steelers ended up with only nine. They cut four of them out. And I, I remember I talked to Alan Saunders off the air about it. I was, I text Chris Carter about it. Everyone said the same thing. We have no idea. We have no idea. And Mike Tomlin was asked about it in the first day of mandatory minicamp. And he said, I, they said, whose decision was it? He goes, it was mine. And they said, why? He said, personal choice. So I'm thinking, this is weird. You know, I mean, the Steelers are going without Ben Roethlisberger for the first time in 18 years. Uh, you, you've got a new defensive coordinator. Matt Canada is going to have a lot of new faces along the offensive line. You would think that they would want to practice as much as they can. And come to find out, 
And I read this on ESPN, wrote the article for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com on Tuesday. The Steelers are not alone. There is a long list of teams that are shortening their offseason programs. The Eagles and the Cincinnati Bengals completely did. They didn't do a mandatory minicamp. They basically did their OTAs and said, okay, we're gone. No mandatory minicamp, which means that every single workout was voluntary. They don't have to dish out any fines if a player is going to miss or something of that nature. And there was a bunch of others that cut them short like the Steelers did. I guess this is the going trend. that This is what the players want. The players want this. The NFLPA has to love this. They're always trying to get less and less of these workouts, even though you would think as fans, as laymen, that we would think they would want to practice as much as possible, at least the coaching staff would. Hey, maybe that's the new trend. If it if it if it equates to less injuries for the Steelers, like we're talking about all those groin injuries they suffered in 2021, then that's fine. They can take all the OTAs, the mandatory minicamp, all of it. They can take it all and just throw it away. I don't care if it equates to less injuries and they're still able to put a good product out on the football field. So the one thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into the mailbag in the second part of this show, I was really shocked. You know, I am someone that's on Twitter. And those of you that contribute to the mailbag, you know how to find me on Twitter. You can follow me for free at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And I'm watching, uh, there's some actual reporters. I mean, we're not talking about fans. These are actual reporters. They they put out a little video and, and they were debating who the number two quarterback is for the Steelers. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, first and foremost, didn't we just talk about this? I mean, weren't we all just inundated with this during the OTAs phase three and minicamp? And I mean, it's just one of those things that I just don't get it. I don't get how we're still having these discussions. And there's a reason why. The, the title and the headline of this podcast is Don't Jump to Conclusions After Minicamp. Please, Steeler fans, don't jump to conclusions. And I feel like, like I just said, didn't we just talk about this? Didn't I just warn people? But fans are starting to cling to this. And this is what happens. It's not just the Steelers. This is all sports, all social media. You have people that are considered the trusted voices in the space. And if those voices start to say something, all of a sudden the fans start to cling to it. I kind of since it's, the, it's we're getting into the summer months, and you know you used to have you know those bugs are flying around. I don't know if you all where I grew up, a lot of people we never had one. We have the bug zappers, you know, the cages with the blue lights, and you'd hear that that bzzz, and then pop 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 pop. The, the bugs would get killed when they flew into the bug zapper. That's kind of what I feel like. The bug zapper itself are these media members that are throwing these takes out, these narratives, these storylines, whatever the talking points, whatever you want to call them, it doesn't matter. And here go the fans just flying right into the bug zapper. Oh, oh they're saying this. I have to think this. They're saying that. I have to think that. We, we as a society in, in a lot of ways have forgotten how to think for ourselves. But still, again, a cautionary tale. Don't jump to conclusions. There's five real things that came out of minicamp that I wanted to say to the fan base, like really be careful with how you view this in these six weeks, six plus weeks before the Steelers report to training camp at St. Vincent College. Because I think, in my opinion, it's really important that we try to keep a, a level head here. It's really important. So, okay, storylines to take with a grain of salt. I think that's kind of the way that we could also put this. The first one is exactly what those reporters were debating, and that is the quarterback quote-unquote depth chart. And there's a lot of facets to this. This is a a lot of layers. 
And when you think about it that way, you're thinking about, okay, everyone says, you know, we all heard that, you know, as Matt Canada said, it's Trubisky, then it's Rudolph, then it's Pickett, and then any extra reps would go to Oladokun. And a lot of fans were really up in arms, not that they think that maybe Pickett should be higher, but they're thinking along the lines of, well, why would you draft him in 20th overall if he's going to be buried on the depth chart? And these two reporters, one of them even said, if you were going to have a guy that's going to sit as third on the depth chart, well, why wouldn't you have just taken someone if you felt they had a higher ceiling, like a Malik Willis, and said, we're just going to let him sit at least for a year, let him learn. I understand that narrative. But here's the whole point of this exercise today, folks. It's not here for me to tell you that Mason Rudolph should or shouldn't be number two or Mitch Trubisky number one. It's that in minicamp, it doesn't matter. What's going to happen is these players and their play, both in the preseason and in training camp, will dictate the overall depth chart. We can have all these conversations that we want until we are blue in the face But until they get on the football field and they start actually playing the game, and I mean the game, not this 11-on-11, 7-on-7, 9-on-9 with no pads, just helmets, that's not it. So take it with a grain of salt. That's all I'm saying is take it with a grain of salt. We all have our rooting interest when it comes to the next quarterback of the Steelers, but let's just hit the pause button, at least after a mandatory minicamp. The next one, because I said there's five of these, the next one is... Who's going to call the plays on defense? And is that Terrell Austin was asked about this during minicamp. I was kind of surprised that he was. I don't care who calls the plays on defense. I really don't. And we also have no clue the dynamics inside the locker room. This isn't just a narrative that should die with minicamp. It should always die because Mike Tomlin was hired as the head coach. He was a defensive coordinator. He is a defensive-minded coach. He has every right as the head coach to put his input, his stamp on that defense. You may not like it, but that's not for you to decide. So ultimately, this is one of those talking points that, in my opinion, does it really matter? Like, Does it really matter who calls the defensive plays? And it's like Tara Lawson said, it's going to be a team effort. And what he means by that is that what it's going to look like is you're going to have Austin, Flores, Tomlin, Every other defensive coach, Carl Dunbar, Coach Mitchell, all of them, Jerry Olsavsky, I could go on. They're all going to have input into the game plan. And then during the game, it'll be Austin and probably Tomlin that'll be just talking about plays. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. So that whole who's going to call the plays, let's just please don't jump to conclusions after one interview after a mandatory minicamp session. The next part is another coaching aspect that I want to warn fans about, and that is that Brian Flores is just, quote-unquote, another coach. You know, Mike Tomlin said he's just another coach. Uh, Terrell Austin said that he's a linebacker's coach. Look, Terrell Austin wasn't just another coach last season. In the last few seasons, he was the secondary coach, and he was the defensive assistant, and that is Brian Flores, except he's the linebacker's coach and a defensive assistant. With the Steelers, titles matter. And so when some people will say, well, Flores isn't going to be able to do this, he's not going to be able to do that, his title says that he will be doing more than the average position coach. He has the experience to do that. But at the same time, I think it's really important that we look at this and say, we won't know right away when or how this will look. 
when you start seeing some Flores schemes being employed or deployed, I should say, on, on the Steelers' defense, that's when we say, wow, Flores' fingerprints are all over this thing. Until then, we won't know. And so that means we won't know the answer to this question until the regular season comes. They're not going to be throwing out creative zone blitzes or zero looks and then backing their linebackers off and they don't know who's going to come and who's going to go. All that stuff, that's not going to happen in the preseason. So we're going to have to wait, and that stinks, but that's that's going to have to wait when it comes to how Brian Flores and his how his input is impacting the Steelers' defense. The next one, two left. The offensive line being quote-unquote set. So just because Mason Cole got first dibs at reps at center and just because Dan Moore Jr. and Chooks Okorafor were at the tackle positions and Kevin Dotson, that does not in any way, shape, or form mean or dictate that the offensive line for 2022 is set. This is something that you're going to hear a lot of people parrot, and they're going to say, well, these are the starting five for the Steelers, and ultimately it's going to come down to, guess what, everything else that I've said, like the quarterback depth chart. It's going to come down to players playing. They're going to have to execute, and if they can execute, they will win that job. It's the same along the defensive line. In my opinion, there might be only one player on that line that you can put his name somewhere on it in pen, and that's James Daniels. Other than that, it's all up for grabs in my opinion. It is all up for grabs, and anyone that tries to tell you different because of minicamp snaps, minicamp reps, I don't care what they're talking about. The fact that in minicamp, all they're doing is pushing and positioning each other. There's no pads. They are not hitting. This is not 100% going after one another. That tells me nothing. It tells me nothing. So you say what you want. Mason Cole might be at the, might have gotten the first reps in minicamp, but Kendrick Green might be the starting center. It could be J.C. Hassenauer. It could be James Daniels. It could be a number of people. They have options now. Let the best player win. And the last one, speaking of best players, this guy is the Steelers' best player in my opinion. It's Najee Harris. Everyone talks about Najee Harris's workload. The coaches were talking about it at minicamp. Najee Harris brought it up. that The coaching staff has had a conversation about his workload. And, oh, my goodness, don't start about Najee Harris's weight, that he weighs 244 pounds. I mean, take a look at some of these images of this guy. If there's someone that is physically getting their body prepared to handle that workload, it's Najee Harris. That guy looks like he's cut out of granite. This is not a Najee Harris where he looks like Jerome Bettis in in the waning years of his career where his belly is bigger than his chest. This is not that. This is not that at all. I'm going to say something. Dave Schofield did an entire Stat Geek podcast on this. This was back before the 2021 season began, I believe, and it was all about running backs and how these injuries seem to be inevitable at some point in their career. And that's that's, that's a part of it. That, that's a part of football, in my opinion. But he, he mentioned Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry had played in the league for a long time. And he was a bell cow back. Or he was a high workload back. And he didn't suffer a really serious injury until last season. Who's to say that Najee Harris who also comes from Alabama, couldn't be that same style of back. I'm not telling you that I want him to have 
all those carries and all those touches again like he had last year. I'm not saying that's indicative to success. What I'm telling you is that if someone is spouting this nonsense after minicamp, that if he proved he could do it in 2021, who's to say he can't do it again? Who's to say that him putting on some extra muscle isn't going to help him with that? Don't always assume an injury is going to happen. Yes, it seems to be inevitable at some point in a player's career, but don't assume that it's going to happen just because he's going to have a high volume of touches. I don't like that in all these stories, whether it's the quarterback depth chart, who's going to call the defensive plays? Is Brian Flores just going to be another linebackers coach? Is the offensive line already set and Najee Harris's overall workload? All of these storylines that I've seen running rampant across social media, websites, we're not talking about blogs, just blogs. We're talking about accredited websites. Understand that none of it, none of it is decided after minicamp. All of it will be decided in training camp, preseason, and when the proverbial real bullets start to fly in week one when the Steelers head to Paul Brown Stadium to play the reigning AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. So there you have it. I felt I can't believe I had to do another Beware of the narrative stuff, but it's just, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. So heed my words, ride or die crew. Heed my words. And in the second half of this show, I'm going to dive headfirst into the mailbag. A lot of you asked a lot of good questions, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is Wednesday, like I said at the beginning of the show. Happy hump day. It's the second half, which means it's time for the mailbag. And we have a lot of good questions. Let's dive right into this. Brian Haynes asked several questions. His first one, it looks like Baker Mayfield is going to go to Carolina. There's still talks, but that's maybe where it's looking. And Deshaun Watson might never see the field. Do you believe the rankings that A, Pickett is the Steelers starter, and B, he's the 14th best AFC quarterback. And I, and where would you put him? So I haven't seen these rankings about Pickett being the 14th best quarterback. Any, any rankings that would have a rookie that's never played a snap in the NFL above anyone that has are false, and it's, it's bogus in my opinion. This is one of those situations where I hate these off-season rankings. It's just one of those things where it just doesn't make sense to me, especially when you're putting rookie players in with players that have actual experience in the National Football League. Um, yeah, I, I, is Pickett the starter? He could be. All he's got to do is go out and prove that he's the best option for the Steelers, and he could be. And we'll see. We'll find out that in training camp. Southside Doc, he said, as a fan, what is the deciding factor between believing that a player can get better over time versus that they reach their ceiling and won't improve. So this is a really tough question. As a fan, I don't know if there's just one deciding factor. In my opinion, when I think about, you know, a player that you look at and you watch and you're watching them play, there's sometimes where you can just see the potential there. And you think back to like Troy Polamalu in 2003. You knew that he was capable of so much more than what he showed his rookie year. Sometimes it just takes time. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a slight change of position. Maybe it's just that they don't know the scheme. 
Then there's times where you see players, and they might have been drafted high, and you're watching them and you're thinking, wow, this is just too big for them. It's just too big for them. And you could think you could throw Jarvis Jones into that mix. You could throw Artie Burns. I remember watching Jarvis Jones as a rookie, and I never once thought, wow, this guy's, give him some time. He's going to be a a force to be reckoned with. And I was right. I watched TJ Watt as a rookie, and I thought, man, he's not a finished product, but he's keeping James Harrison off the field. Like, that's Debo. That's, that's, I know Debo's at the end of his, of his career, but man, like, think about that. Like, that's the difference there if you look at pass rushers. So I think you, the eye test to me is ultimately what I decide. Now, Southside Doc, I knew someone was going to ask me about this. I knew it. I even said something to my wife when I saw this come up on my Twitter feed. He said, side note, what are your thoughts on the PGA versus live drama? Now, he's talking about the PGA tour and the live tour. The live tour is the Saudi backed, um, run by Greg Norman. Phil Mickelson was paid. I think I heard over $200 million to go there. Uh, A lot of really big names on the PGA Tour have left. The PGA Tour resigned or they were uh, told that they're not welcome back. Dustin Johnson, you're talking about some major winners. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau was one of them. You had a lot of European players that went over there as well. Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter. Uh, But still, I don't want to get in too much of this. I I will only say this. You know, everyone wants to bring out the morality aspect of this and the, and the the money where it's coming from. I am in no way, shape, or form looking at a golfer, a, any golfer, for my moral compass in terms of, oh my gosh, Phil Mickelson took $200 million. If he wouldn't have taken it, guess what? They would have given it to someone else. I, I don't need any golfer to stand up and say, this is wrong. It gives, please spare me that that lecture if they want to golf with the Live Tour, go and have fun. Understand it's not going to be as publicized. It might not last. If you want to stay on the PGA Tour, fantastic. Everyone has a choice. You make yours, and then you got to deal with it. That's what I think. I'm not going to dive too much into that. That'll get me fired up. Brian Haynes asked a couple more. What is your game day jersey going to be now that Ben has retired? As he knows, I only had Ben Roethlisberger jerseys. I don't know. That's a great question, Brian. I, it depends on a lot of things. I might go to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, TJ Watt would definitely be a safe bet. If Minka Fitzpatrick gets a new deal, that might be a good one. My favorite player on offense right now is Najee Harris. I, I'm very wary of getting it. I might not even get another jersey, to be honest with you. Um, it, it just might not be for me anymore. I don't know. We'll play by ear. Brian's next one. Would you rather your kids ask you for a Ravens jersey because they now support them or tell you they don't want football in their lives? I'd rather them say they don't care about football than rooting for the Ravens. If you've met my children, you know that they would never do that. They trust me. They would never do that. Uh, he asked a couple more dog days of summer officially here. Would you rather have a family movie night or take the family to an arcade or something like that? So if I were to choose something I used to do as a kid that is not around anymore is to go to a drive through movie. We used to have one not far from wheeling and I, my friends and I used to go. It was a lot of fun. We'd cram everyone in the back of a Jeep and hide under blankets so we wouldn't have to pay. Uh, and that was a lot of fun, but they don't exist anymore. Uh, for me, I'd rather go out and do something active and fun. Go play Go putt-putting or something like that. And the last one, Jeff, of the seven draft picks, who has the easiest path to the field on game day this year? Well, I think it's going to be one of the receivers. I think George Pickens being the number two pick, and and it, he was spoken highly of, but I, everything you hear about Calvin Austin the third is that he is, his speed is different. 
And it's going to be a speed that they have to get on the field somehow, some way. You know, you think back to when Jim Wexel's book, Palomalu, which if you've never read it, give it a read. It's phenomenal. When he went to USC as a freshman, he wasn't ready. He wasn't polished. But they they saw something in him, even as a freshman, that they said, we have to get him on the field. We have to find a way. Even if it's just in sub packages, we've got to get him on the field. I feel like the way everyone's talking about Calvin Austin the third, that's the direction he's headed. He is that special that you got to find a way to get him on the field. But great questions, Brian, as always. Thank you very much. Part of the Ride or Die crew. Gordon Bent said, This quarterback ranking, courtesy of NFL.com, has Mitch Trubisky 28th out of 30. It excludes certain quarterbacks, rookies, uh, and Deshaun Watson. Where would you rank Mitch? It has to be better than Geno Smith or Daniel Jones, right? So they have the top 10, all players that you would expect to be there. Um, And then you have the prime meridian candidates which you have players like kyler murray Derek carr Tannehill, matt ryan uh jalen hurts really and then you have the replacement level and mitch trubisky is towards the bottom but here are the players he's behind think about this he's behind jacoby Brissett, geno smith marcus mariota jared goff carson wentz daniel jones and teddy bridgewater and Baker Mayfield, who finds himself in the prime Meridian candidates at number 20. I, I hate these rankings. I've already talked about that in an earlier question. Mitch Trubisky has at least led his team, or a team that he was the quarterback of, to the postseason. Jacoby Brissett, any success there? Geno Smith, maybe. Marcus Mariota's been in the playoffs. Jared Goff has been to the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz has had flashes when he was in Philadelphia. Daniel Jones has been awful. And Teddy Bridgewater, uh, it's unfortunate the knee injury that derailed his career in Minnesota, but still, say what you want. I don't care about these rankings. I don't care. I I understand why Steeler fans get fired up, but I just don't care. And plus, Trubisky's got to prove himself as a member of the Steelers. He just has to. Next question, Aiden Blaine. Hey, Jeff, you spoke about the possibility of Chris Boswell being re-signed soon on the last episode of Let's Ride. Do you think we see that deal get done before the season starts, or is this a next offseason transaction? Great question. Now, again, Aiden, the the caveat in all these contract talks, whether you're talking about Deontay Johnson, whether you're talking about Minka Fitzpatrick, or whether you're talking about Chris Boswell, no one knows how Omar Khan is going to handle these situations. The only principle that Omar Khan has said he is definitely carrying over from the previous regime of Kevin Colbert is that they're not going to negotiate contracts during the season. So they want to get this done before the season. So the question then becomes, is Boswell's deal going to get done prior to 2021, or 20, I'm sorry, 2022, or is it going to be next season? So let me look at the logistics here. This is the last year of Boswell's contract, current deal. In 2023, he will be an unrestricted free agent, and he is counting $4.9 million against this year's salary cap. This is a deal that I would make. I would get this deal done possibly first. So I would say to Chris Boswell, look, Boz, we want to give you an extension. I want to give you a three-year extension. And that extension is going to actually decrease your 2022 salary cap. The Steelers love to do that. They did it with TJ Watt. I guarantee it'll happen with Mega Fitzpatrick. And they could do it with Boswell as well. So they give him an extension. It's not a restructure. They're extending. They give him a new contract. It would free up salary cap space. And on top of all of that, 
you'd keep one of the better kickers in the NFL. I know everyone has 2018 in the back of their mind where he had a horrible year, but he has definitely put that in the past. I get that deal done. I get that deal done before this season starts because it's the price tag is only going to go up. And if you really have faith in the guy, you're going to get it done. Great question, by the way. Will Caldwell, he asked a couple. Hey, Jeff, being a part of the media, I guess, do you see differences between how an outlet like BTSC covers topics compared to the team, local, and national outlets? Do you, as the editor, have to take into that take that into account when using reports? So that's a good question. We do have to cover topics differently. I don't want to. There are certain stories, and I've told this to people that write for me ever since I took over in 2015, and that is that Every, there are certain stories everyone's going to have. For instance, if Minka Fitzpatrick gets a new contract, every single outlet, we're talking BTSC, Steelers.com, ESPN, Post-Gazette, Tribune Review, I could go on. They're all going to have that story. So in that regard, BTSC has to be first. We got to win that race, and that's tough. You got to know what you're doing, and it's tough. And then after that, I've said that we need to differentiate ourselves not only from the mainstream media outlets, we need to differentiate ourselves from the other websites that are very much akin to us. And we need to take more thought into our content and have it be quality, but both quality and quantity. It is difficult. There are some sites out there that want to just pump out 30 articles a day, and that's great. I understand that concept. That's not the road I want to go down. I would like to have a lot of content, but have it be really good content and something for everyone. That's my goal. And so I do have to take into account some of the stuff that everyone else is doing. I do keep my feelers out for what everyone else is doing, but ultimately, that's our goal. Next question from Will. Jeff, in your opinion, what percentage of Stefan Tuitt would the Steelers have needed back for the defensive line to be formidable? From your heart of hearts, do you think this line is currently rostered will cover that threshold? If not, do you think it will be a weakness? Good, it's a tough question to answer. I would say that if you had a 60% of Stefan to it, you'd need better than that to improve. And I think that the Steelers, their lack of movement in this area shows that they trust their current depth chart. You see, you could probably see a big jump from Isaiah Loudermilk. You could see Chris Wormley. Uh, you could see even someone like a Carlos Davis. Everyone's forgotten about Carlos Davis, but I think he could step up. But I, I hate to keep plugging my own articles, but I wrote an article about Tyson Alawalu. He's aging, but if he can play up to the level that he was playing prior to his leg injury last season in week two, the season, the home opener against the Raiders, they'll be fine. Because if you can have Alawalu, Montrevious Adams in the middle, and Cam Hayward, and then you use Wormley, Loudermilk, Liao as rotational pieces, I think they'll be fine. Not having two it this year is not as big as it was last year. Last year, it hurt. Last year, everyone expected him to be back, and he never came back. This year, you know he's not going to be back, and you already had an entire year of not having him there to kind of cope with it. So I think they'll be okay. I think they actually can. Corey Eckenroth says, if Heinz Field, if Heinz, I'm sorry, the Heinz Company, which is actually owned by Kraft, doesn't re-up the naming rights to the stadium and U.S. Steel isn't interested, which would be a travesty, what brand would you want repping the Steelers Stadium? This is a, this is something I haven't checked up on. I'm going to have to do some research and see if I can find out what's going on. 
mean, Heinz Field is still called Heinz Field, even though I don't think they're under contract anymore. Maybe that contract goes until July. I'm not sure. I'll double check. I'll write that article for the website. But I don't know if there's a brand that sticks out that I would want repping the Steelers Stadium. And what I've found from, like, the thing about the Penguins, whether you're a Penguins fan or not, when they built the new stadium or the new arena, it was Console Energy Center. And everyone's like, oh, this is cool, Console Energy Center. And then it changed to PPG Paints Arena. And the one thing I noticed, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. No one ever said, oh, really, we got to call it PPG Paints? Maybe when it was first announced, but ultimately, it's where the Penguins play. And I I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And so I I don't really care too much about the name. I I hope it stays Heinz Field because it's easy. Everyone remembers it. But still, we'll see how that pans out. I'll look into it. Corey asked a couple more. More important position that needs to have a big year. Left tackle, Dan Moore Jr. Left guard, the battle between Dotson and Green. Or center, finding someone, some continuity for the new quarterback, whoever the quarterback ends up being. In my opinion, the important position is center. They need to find who their center is. And I just hope it's not a de facto center like they had last year with Kendra Green. Give me a guy that goes in and doesn't just win the job. Goes in and, and, I'm sorry, give me a guy that actually does win the job. Kendra Green won that job because no one else was good enough. So that's what I want to see, and I think the center position is the most important. Corey asks another one, what position would Key Brian, Willie Mays, Hayes play if he played for the Steelers? I would have to think he would be a wide receiver. But his arm strength, though, man, that guy has an arm. So maybe if he can throw a football, maybe he's that mobile quarterback that Mike Tomlin likes so much. We'll see. MDibs24, haven't heard from him in a while. He said, not a question. More of a challenge. Say something positive about being a Pirates fan. I'll say a couple positive things, believe it or not. Number one, the Pirates fans are similar to the Browns fans. And maybe not so much in terms of being obnoxious, but in terms of being loyal, I mean, when I think back to the 1992 team that lost in the NLCS to the Braves, and I don't want to talk about Sid Bream and all that crap, but I've watched I've watched 20 straight years of losing baseball, and I still am a Pirates fan. You don't get more loyal than that. I think now the Steel the Pirates are finally I haven't said Steelers. The Pirates are finally doing it the right way. They have the youth in their system and they're finally getting them up to the majors, giving them experience. They're still not there yet, all of them, O'Neill Cruz, but still I, I'm I'm at least on board with the direction they're going. This isn't like the last few years when they would make these hideous trades and you as a fan are just sitting there, you're thinking, What are they doing? And what in the world are they doing? So Loyalty, that's number one. Zach Farnsworth said, how did a guy from Wheeling, West Virginia end up living in Ratbird territory? So this is a question I've gotten before on the mailbag segment, and I'll give you the brief abridged version, the Cliffs Notes, if you're old enough to remember that. So uh, I went to school. I wanted to get away from home. when I And so I went to college at a small school in the eastern panhandle of West Virginia, which is right across the river from Maryland. And that was Shepherd College, and now it's Shepherd University. And um, I was majoring in the same major as the woman that turned out to be my wife. And we met in college. She's from Maryland. We stayed in Maryland where our jobs were. So that's how a guy from Wheeling ends up in Maryland. So we have we definitely have uh, <laughs> roots here at this point. Britsburg Owen 
He asked Mark Cabali of The Athletic reported Mason Rudolph was the best quarterback at OTAs, which is just football and shorts. What do you think is the most likely scenario for where Mason plays this season and what quarterback position? So uh, this is one of those takes that I talked about at the beginning of the show. That, that's a that's a take that is the the buzz zap, the, the the bug zapper and all these people were just flying into it. Oh, Cabali said this. You could probably find another reporter that says Trubisky was the best, and then find another reporter that said Pickett was the best. This is just literally someone's opinion of how they looked in minicamp, football and shorts, like you mentioned in your question. Where do I think Rudolph will be? I think he'll be in Pittsburgh, not just because of the salary cap, and they're not paying him that much, but I think also the fact that the Steelers want the best quarterback is possible in a year where you don't have a proven commodity. So let's say you have Mason Rudolph as your number three. If there's no one that wants to trade, you're not just going to cut him. You don't cut him. You keep him. He might be inactive on game days. That's fine. But you have your one, two, and three in case someone goes down. You have proven commodities. It would be great to trade him away, but then look at your depth. It definitely gets hindered. I think Rudolph will be in Pittsburgh. I don't think he's going to be the starter, but I think he's there. Will Caldwell says, who is your favorite non-quarterback Steeler player and why? I guess you're talking about on the current team, and if it's a current team, I'm going to say it's definitely Najee Harris. He's just a breath of fresh air for me. I love the way he interacts with the media. If we're talking about all-time, all-time non-quarterback Steeler player, I'd have to go back to the very first player identified as my favorite, and that was number 29 back in 93-94, Mr. Barry Foster. I loved watching Barry Foster play. So that's who we got. Haskins QB1. Again, haven't heard from him in a while. He asked two questions. Hey, Jeff, let's say Devin Bush and Deontay Johnson both have breakout seasons. You can only re-sign one. Who would it be and why? I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. The Steelers drafted Miles Jack to have that insurance policy in case they lose him. So if they if they lose Devin Bush, they have Miles Jack there, unless Miles Jack looks atrocious. And this is where we're getting to the hypothetical of what if, what if, what if. Deontay Johnson is a very good player, and he provides a skill set that they don't have in their wide receiver room. Maybe Calvin Austin the third, but I'm not so sure I need to see it. So I would say Deontay Johnson. His next question. Hey, Jeff, let's say a big-name quarterback gets hurt around the league, and they call the Steelers to check the availability of Pickett or Trubisky. Who would they trade, and what would be the trade compensation? So I don't think they're going to trade away Kenny Pickett. They just drafted the guy. They just spent their first round pick on him. They might trade Trubisky if that were the case. They would have to really like Rudolph. They'd have to really be happy with what they see in Kenny Pickett. So with that, I'm going with that they would they would demand a lot. They would demand a lot, and I don't think it'll ever happen. That's a very big hypothetical. Last question here, Cheeseball10. I'm curious as to what you think happens next year. If the Steelers finish with a modest record and get bounced from the playoffs in round one, is the roster in 2023 better poised for success than the 2022 based off of potential alone? I think, yes, they are And everyone always said, and I said, you know, what is success? I said, this got to give this team some time. I said two years. I think that's fair. This would be year one of that two years for them to be really, really competitive. If the Steelers can, land a couple of these draft picks. I think that's important, which we've obviously talked about. Um, you know, it's not easy. We'll say that it's not easy. And and we're all talking about potential. You know, I hate that word. So 
That's just my that's just what I think. It's just my opinion. I'm all in on the 2022 Steelers. We'll talk about 2023 when it gets here. All right, my ride or die crew, you all hit the ball out of the ballpark. Uh, great job. Thank you for participating in the mailbag. Make sure you tune in on Friday. It'll be myself. And in the second half, it'll be one Jerome Betts and the All Bets Are Off segment. So make sure you check that out as well as all of our podcasts. You can find us anywhere we get your podcasts in case you're listening on Twitter or on the website. Anywhere you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You can subscribe, follow us so you don't miss a thing. That's it for me this Wednesday. We're halfway there, folks, halfway to the weekend. You know how we always finish out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Friday. Go Steelers.